from the studios of Teeing It Up in the, in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. I'm here. We're back. It's been a while. For uh, Thursday, June 29th, 2023, Luke Morrow is with us. Luke, the voice of the Citadel, among many other things. Luke, hello. How are we? Doing well. Good to be back. Yeah, it is good to be back. Uh, you know, I... I I was a little late to the news that Dalvin Cook had gotten cut by the Vikings, so that's kind of why you're here. <laughs> oh, is that so? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, I'm surprised that, that maybe he's still out there, but I guess that speaks to how the league views that running back uh, position these days. And, uh, you know, sad to see him go. Uh, I think he's still got a little something left in the tank for maybe another year or two. I think he's a talented running back. Um, but I think it was the right move by the Vikings. It was one of those bittersweet ones. You know, I think it's the right move, but still sad to see him leave the team. It's just you can't invest too much in a running back anymore, and, and teams are seeing that. And I think that's why he's still available, despite you know a handful of teams supposedly being interested. Your you, your team has made a whole bunch of moves um, around OTAs and minicamp and stuff, and you've traded some people away, and you've cut some people, and now you cut Dalvin. Um, what is Kirk Cousins working with? Yeah, well, you know, so he's uh, he got maybe the best receiver in the league still yeah. in Justin Jefferson. They drafted uh, Jordan Addison on the other side, who we'll see how much he does as a rookie, but I do like that pick. I think he could be impactful. And you have TJ Hawkinson, so you have some good targets to throw to. And I just think the running back position in general, like we saw last year Alexander Madison come in as the backup, and uh, even at times when Dalvin Cook's been injured the last couple of years, and, and he looks pretty good too, so... You know, he may not be Dalvin Cook, but I, I honestly don't know if there's going to be a huge drop-off at that position either for the Vikings. Uh, that's just the way the NFL is. We've seen guys, you know, the Chiefs have done that really well, where they just replace another running back with somebody else that you've probably never heard of or an undrafted guy, and they fit the system, and, and it works out. Or even the Shanahan's over the years, they could use any running back to have success. It's more about the system than maybe that's the player at that, at that position. But I think the Vikings will have some, some weapons on offense. It's just interesting the philosophy or what they're trying to do, as you um, alluded to. And it's like both, you know, my two favorite teams, the Red Sox and the Vikings, are almost like uh, riding this fence. They don't know which way they want to go. And for the Vikings, like, you know, they won 13 games last year. Yes, it was a little flukish, but still, you won the division. You won 13 games. You went to the playoffs. And the response this offseason is almost like a, a soft rebuild where they've let about uh, probably at least five starters uh, they've released or traded away. Uh, it, it, it's odd, the idea, Kirk Cousins, that's just one year left on his contract, and the Vikings, seems like, are not going to extend him until he becomes a, a free agent, at least. So, um, I don't know, it's interesting. I don't know what the Vikings are, are really, what the plan or the idea is. Uh, they're trying to um, win while also almost like rebuild this year, and then we'll see what happens a year from now when they don't have a quarterback and which direction they go after however this season goes. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens this year with the Vikings. I have certainly tempered my expectations. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a, a bit of a step back from a year ago and then, um, you know, try to find a quarterback next year and, and try to start over almost with uh, the new group of Vikings here moving forward. Um, you mentioned the Red Sox. The Yankees did something special last night. Yeah, they sure did. You know, I mean, it's against the <laughs> Oakland A's, though, so how much does it really count? Uh, look, I don't think either of our teams are going anywhere. Um, from your perspective, <clears throat> from from your perspective, what from my what what from the Red Sox aggravates you the most? 
question. Um, I, I probably the number one thing is uh, being the Red Sox and yet wanting to act like the Tampa Bay Rays, I suppose. Now, look, they are still spending a lot more than the Rays or the A's or some of these other small market teams, but just the idea that they have to be careful with their finances, I think, is ridiculous for, for that team. I think this year they're 13th, I want to say, in payroll. So, you know, middle of the league, which obviously is a lot better than half the league, but when you're the Red Sox, you should be up there with the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers. You should be top five. Uh, that's what has been expected. And uh, the, you're, you're a bigger market in, in Major League Baseball, one of the bigger you know brands or fan bases. So I just I, I don't like this idea. And look, they did spend on some guys. They threw some money at Yoshida this offseason. But just the idea that um, they were never really in on Bogarts, which ended up seemingly working out, uh, going back to Mookie Betts, right? We're going to extend him. I'm surprised they got the deal done with Devers. But just uh, trying to be more careful and, and cut down on the, the payrolls is, has been uh, annoying in a lot of instances. And they brought in Hein Bloom from the Tampa Bay Rays to be their GM with this idea that, hey, we're going to be the Tampa Bay Rays and we're going to piece this thing together with uh, discounted guys or uh, guys that uh, get from the, the bargain bin that maybe other teams are overlooking. But it just hasn't worked. Uh, right now, they're in last place, and if that holds, I think it'll be in Heimblum's four years. I want to say three last place finishes in four years, uh, something like that. So it's just not working. Um, they're, instead, what they've become is like the the island of misfit toys, where you just have guys playing out of position, and they're trying to piece this thing together with all these random pieces. Uh, it's just it's just frustrating. You know, they should be in on. Uh, they shouldn't have gotten outbid by the Rangers this offseason for Evaldi, who's become one of the better pitchers in the AL. Uh, that stuff shouldn't happen for the Red Sox. They got outbid by, um, uh, I think it was the what the Phillies for Zach Eflin. Like that can't happen. You're the Red Sox. You got to be winning more of these instead of uh, being a little more conservative and trying to piece things together with a, a one-year deal for a 38-year-old Justin Turner. You know, stuff like that. Uh, that, to me, I guess is the most frustrating part. I, I miss the days of the old Red Sox without going on that spending spree. And I guess the Yankees are similar in that sense, trying to be more judicious in their spending. But uh, I miss those days when uh, maybe it wasn't the best thing for baseball, but these teams are just spend and spend and, and trying to make things work. I was about to say, we're about to enter NBA free agency now, and I'll have to talk about the second apron, the second luxury tax apron kind of applies to the Yankees who uh different sport but just don't want to spend past certain luxury tax thresholds and the biggest thing for me though is just seeing how one toe has changed the entire season um, yeah. you, you you can make it the case by the way with the uh Brooklyn Nets and how everything changed with you know one inch one pencil whatever with uh, Kevin Durant all those years ago, but here you lose Aaron Judge and your entire lineup changes. And it's been absolutely remarkable to see that in person. My whole thing with the Yankees um, has been just underperforming people, whether it's Josh Donaldson or whoever you want to name here. Guys got to get consistent starts every single time through game. uh, uh, Game baiter back is a good step, but just consistency, consistency, consistency all the way through. If you do that, you're going to win ball games. If you don't do that, you're not going to win ball games. Um, that to me is 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 coming. It, it, it's, it's just how it works. I think for you guys, one of the interesting things about the AL East, and I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, is Baltimore and how much the Orioles' success has changed everything. 
in that division. Change the way you look at the Yankees. The same way with Cincinnati in the National League. There are teams that have brought up these young studs that are performing at a high level that have totally changed the complexion of those divisions and those leagues and have put some higher spending, more higher profile teams on the outside looking in at the moment, even though it is June. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the Orioles and the Reds, and there's some parallels there. Baseball is typically a sport where when you add one guy, that doesn't make the difference. I mean, the Rangers tried that 20 years ago with A-Rod. That was a bust. Uh, You could even say the Angels have had Mike Trout this whole time and haven't won a playoff game. Like, when you have that one-star player, typically not enough. You still need a lot of other guys to build around. And yet for the Orioles, when they brought up Adley Rutschman last year, look at the difference before and after his addition a year ago, and then, as you said, I mean, they've been fantastic. The Rays got off that incredible start, and yet they're only three games better than the Orioles in the loss column right now. And then the Reds are the other team that you mentioned where they bring up uh, with De La Cruz, and uh, they go on this winning streak, and now they're in first place in the Central. It is something that just uh, energizes the clubhouse, I guess, to have that one-star player, that young guy specifically, with the energy. The Braves went through that a couple years ago with Acuna. Uh, Then the next year, they brought up Austin Riley and kind of took off. It's funny how that works. Now, these are all pretty good teams to begin with, and then you're adding maybe that missing piece. But, yeah, we've seen this these last couple years where these teams bring up these young players, and that's what really helps set the uh, the team moving forward. Now, in regards to the Orioles, a lot of Red Sox fans are pointing to the Orioles. Like, man, why can't we be like that? Why can't we have a bunch of a good core of young talent to build around? The thing with the Orioles is go back and look the last five years, right, they had, if you take out the COVID season, of course, because they only played half a year, they had three straight seasons with over 110 losses, I think it was. So, number one, that's never going to work for a team like the Red Sox. But number two, a lot of fan bases just aren't patient enough. They just don't want to go through that. Where the Astros did that years ago, the Cubs, where tanking in baseball is different. You have to tank not for one year. You don't tank for one year and get a Victor Wembanyama and compete for potentially the playoffs next year. You have to tank for about five years and really build that farm system and trade off some pieces to get more prospects and continue to build that thing up. Where after maybe five years, then you're ready uh, to compete. And that's never going to happen with a team like the Red Sox. I bring it back to my team because I, of course, am very frustrated with the way things are going for Boston. But uh, just that idea that, that in baseball, um, you know, the Reds do, you're finally seeing things pay off for a long, long drought, let's say, of these teams that you're, you're scratching your head, what are they doing? They're terrible. Uh, they're getting rid of some talented players. Well, this is finally the payoff that the Orioles have a really good young core group. Same with the, uh, the Reds. The Reds at least benefit from being in a bad division. Um, but it makes baseball fun and exciting. We've had some good young talent these last couple of years that have been fun to watch it. Baltimore is a great baseball town, so even though they're in that division, you know, the Red Sox are going to stink. It is nice to see the Orioles have some success. That is true. Uh, Luke Moore with us here on Teeing It Up. As a non-golf, diehard golf fan, what are, you, what are you most interested in everything that's transpired this year in golf? Um, I guess just seeing how things uh, move forward with the two groups, if you will, coming back together in terms of the golfers specifically. Um and what that is going to be like. It's almost like, I guess if I could compare it to The Office, when Michael Scott started the Michael Scott Paper Company and took Ryan and, and Pam with him, and then they came back and they merged back to Dunder Mifflin, and then there was that awkwardness, uh, those first few episodes back where those three were still palling around together, and the rest of the salesmen were jealous that they were close, and you know Michael would get them drinks at lunch and not the other salesmen, and 
they were upset. And so even though they were all back together in Dunder Mifflin, there was still that awkwardness of uh, like the clicks, if you will, of one side versus the other. And I guess as an average golf fan, just that, you know, I look for drama, I suppose. That's more interesting to me than maybe just uh, some of the golf shots that you'll see on the weekend. So if there's going to be some drama of even though they're back together, you have these two fractions or two sides that are still uh, maybe bitter towards one another. Uh, that's what I look for. That's what I hope for. I want to see some bitterness. I love that, uh, you know, Brooks Kepka, Bryce DeChambeau thing from a couple of years ago. That's what I want. I want some soap opera drama storylines between these guys, the ones that jump ship and the ones that didn't and now are all under the same roof again. So I, I guess that's, uh, you know, I hope for a little drama here moving forward. How disappointed would I be if I told you that Bryson and... Uh Brooks are now friends. Yeah, see, that's that is disappointing. I, it's like wrestling, right? You gotta have the heel, the baby. I want, I want this feud going on forever. I don't want them to become a tag team down the road. They gotta, we gotta build these storylines. They gotta hate one another for a long time. You know, one of the interesting things is depending on how long it takes for this merger to be approved, and we have the uh, Senate hearing coming up in uh, mid July. Depending on how long all this stuff takes to get approved, um, you it, it live to, 2024 could exist as kind of this no man's land league that's just waiting for everything else to get resolved, and that is that will be awkward, you know. First and foremost, secondly, I think the path back and what that path is, and 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 does somebody like Abe answer? who didn't take a lot of money versus somebody like, you know, Bryson or DJ or Brooks who took a lot of money path back. Do you eliminate them from, from the playoffs for a year or two? Do you eliminate them from bonus money? Everybody talks about making PGA tour players whole. And I get that, but there's also this factor about not every live player is the same. Not everybody is Taylor Gooch or Abe answer versus DJ or Brooks. And I think that's what has been, or will be very interesting to see how the, how they figure out these penalties because not everybody's the same. And I, I hope they recognize that over time. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And I think another aspect of that, and <clears throat> sorry, this was brought up this week. And I had forgotten about that. This, do you know who we have not heard from since this news came down a couple weeks ago? Tiger. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Who right. most believe is very much against this. Um, <clears throat> now, his stance as of January was, let's we can talk to them once everybody drops their lawsuits, but to come and, and, and make a deal in such secrecy, he wasn't involved in it. You know, like all that stuff. I'm fascinated to hear him. Unfortunately, because of his injury, we're not going to hear from from him for a while, um, unless he decides to speak up. And he has chosen repeatedly not to speak up in interview after interview, at request after request, to not speak up. So, I'm very curious to see how that plays out and what his reaction is long term. It has a very interesting effect on the PGA Tour. Um, I want to tee you up, no, no pun intended, Luke Morrow's with us, with, um, with Jokic, the Nuggets, and Denver winning that title, that elusive title. 
as someone who's a magic fan, who now is seeing pieces come together that could be a core. I don't know if you're a, a Denver Nuggets core, but you have a Jamal Murray Jokic core. Like you know, you see what they did, right? You now you see what the Magic could have. Where's your head at on that? And and do you get any further hope after watching what Denver did? Uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> not for the Magic. I mean, I think some other teams could. Um, but the Magic have been so bad for so long. And even when they were good, like 15 years ago with Dwight Howard, they made so many puzzling decisions. Uh, I just think they've been poorly run for a while and it's a rebuild after rebuild after rebuild now you know Bancaro is certainly a guy I think you can build around but can they get the rest of it right uh, we'll see I don't know at least the east uh, may not be as strong overall as the west but no I, I my expectations are always very low for the magic um, and I, you know the rest of my family are mostly Knicks fans I was raised a Knicks fan I jumped in the magic bandwagon so really uh, maybe I'm ashamed to say but at this point in my life I'm kind of just a, a Fairweather Magic fan anyways have kind of gone back to the Knicks uh, over recent years but I, I will say in regards to the Nuggets I do think they give hope to other teams that maybe are a little better run like to just pick a random team maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves with, with Anthony Edwards but the idea being like you know you get that star you keep them and you build around them and you don't have to go out and do the Kevin Grant model or you know, even what LeBron would try to do with putting together these super teams. We saw the Bucks win with Giannis, an international star that you build around, and you didn't have to go get some sort of big name. You developed Chris Middleton. Yes, they did add Drew Holiday, but that's kind of a B star at most. And same with the Nuggets where, you know, they did that all through the draft. You had that international star in Jokic who you really helped develop. He's better than anybody thought he was at draft time. And you build around him with other draft picks too. They didn't have to go out and acquire even a Chris Paul or a no, whatever, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch back in the day, yada, 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 those big names, uh, Kevin Durant now. Um, so I think that gives hope to this, the quote-unquote smaller markets that are trying to do the same thing. And ironically enough, it has been those international players. You look at the Dallas Mavericks, right? You should be able to do that around Luka. Kyrie Irving was not your answer. But if I'm a Mavericks fan, um, with the right decision, you hope like, hey, that could be us building around Luka, who's also one of the best players in the league. So I think those are the teams. I guess we would put them in different tiers. And the Nuggets right now are obviously tier one. Then tier two, you have some of those teams that are a little better operated, like uh, maybe the Mavericks. I don't know. They were. I did not like what they did last year. Um, uh, you know, maybe the Timberwolves, even though Alex Rodriguez is running that bed show now. Uh, <laughs> maybe the Hawks are Trey Young. And then you get to the third tier where it's like, okay, the Orlando Magic have no idea what they're doing. Right, like the Washington Wizards have been a disaster. The Charlotte Hornets a disaster. Uh, just teams you you don't trust their front offices to actually be able to follow that plan to have success. So for the Magic, no. For other teams, yeah, I think you could you could see what the Nuggets did, and you don't have to go chase a big three. You can just build around the star you have, and and uh, the Nuggets give hope to those smaller market teams that don't get the, the biggest free agents to do a better job in the draft, find that star, build around them, and, and hopefully you too can eventually win a championship. Since we started recording this, uh, J.J. Watt has agreed to uh, serve, uh, sorry, has uh, signed with CBS. He will be a, uh, st- uh, he will be a studio analyst uh, on all platforms. Um, and it's a multi-year deal. And his first appearance will be the, the NFL Today, where he will join James Brown, coach, 
Boomer, Phil, and Nate. Um, sounds like he's not joining that desk per se. He'll just be a contributor to that show. But J.J. Watt joining CBS Sports. Interesting. I think he could be pretty good. Um, that seems to be a good landing spot for him. We'll see. You know, we're in this weird stretch here. All these, you're just grabbing these players right off the field. Like, uh, obviously, Tom Brady with that big deal. That's a whole other topic. But um, it's interesting because he, you never, a lot of times, these uh, companies will throw big money at these guys because of the names, and then you just don't know how they're going to turn out. I mean, I think Drew Brees is a four. Uh, I don't think that's been very good. I think Tony Romo, quite frankly, for the contract, I mean, what an overpay. I think that's a disaster. I haven't been a Romo fan from the first time you went on air, and I'm happy to see more people coming around to my side here in recent seasons. But, you know, you just don't know how good or bad these guys are going to be. This is a different role in studio, maybe not a full-time gig, who knows how much money, but, um, you know, these, these players come right off the field, get big contracts, and some of them are good, some of them are bad. Just because they're good players, though, doesn't mean they're going to be good in the studio or in the booth. Uh, but I think Watt could be pretty decent. Uh, I guess we'll find out here in a couple months. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that we will uh, see how it plays out. A lot of guys have have great um, talent on field. You think it'll work in the studio, and sometimes it doesn't, and it takes time to mature. Um, you you look at Tiki Barber, who a lot of people said had a horrible right. He went to the Today Show. He had a horrible post. Uh, you know, that, that first portion of his post-playing career. And now look where he is. Drive time, NYC, WFAN. It just took a little bit, right? Some guys like Romo, love him or hate him, he did come right into that job, right? And 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 have great success in the eyes of, of those who were paying the bills. For some guys, it doesn't. Uh, we'll see if JJ going the studio route and going the nurturing maturing uh, a mentorship route will be the best route for him. Yeah, that's true. That studio probably is the easier role to, um, I don't know, build up over time, if you will. Like, I think Nate Burleson's really good. I think uh, Matt Ryan is, you know, doing some part-time stuff. I think he's somebody that could become good when you're hanging around. Those other guys, Boomer, who's done it for so long, obviously Phil Sims and and it's just different in the studio. They're not asking as much of you. Maybe it's not a full-time, every-week thing. Um, that gives you some time to be able to learn on the job and, and, and get better over time as opposed to throwing. You're right in the booth. you got a three-hour game. you got to quick think. you got to think quick on your feet. You have to be in and out every play, like Romo or some of these other guys. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tougher role. But the big thing is just have personality. I think Watt has some personality. Drew Brees really doesn't seem to have much of a personality. I guess Romo's personality is what turns me off, but... That's the main thing. Uh, big names, but also, you know, can these guys be interesting talking about the sport on TV? And I think Black can do that. And we shall see how that plays out. Luke Morrow with us on Teeing It Up. Uh, what haven't we talked about that you would like to bring up? I don't know. That's a good question. We're what, at the end of June. What in the sports world? Because we're in June. We've seen what LSU just did at the College World Series. Um and what a year for them, women's basketball uh, and college baseball. Um, but what, is there something either in your life or just passing by that you would like to bring up? I don't think so. You know, this is the slow time of year, heading into July. 
the All-Star break in baseball is with two weeks away, so that is like uh, always known as the, the slowest week in sports where there's really nothing going on for a few days. As you said, right, the NBA finished up uh, three weeks ago now. NHL's in their offseason. Baseball is still in the first half. I don't know. I, I don't know if we're missing a big story right now. You are. Uh-oh, what am I missing? You haven't asked any Jets questions. <laughs> hey, yeah, what, the Jets uh, going to hard knocks? God, I don't. I don't. Um, but apparently we're going to be forced. Um, yeah. But, uh, look, my whole thing about the Jets, and, and we've talked about this from day one, right? It's, it's make the circus as normal as possible. Hard knocks is not the circus. Then again, those people who run hard knocks tend to know what they're doing and tend to know how to do what they're doing. My whole thing is can you, normalize is not the right word, but can you um, make it so that, you know, for example, Rogers uh, 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 tweet the calf muscle uh, in, in OTAs. It, can that not be the biggest story in the world, right? right. Can someone tweak a calf muscle and be okay? Um, so that, I'm not, you know, that I'm, I'm still concerned about. But I find one of the most intriguing things about the Jets, something that did not get a lot of attention. They decided to cancel their mini camp after the, the success of the OTAs. I've Ooh. never heard of a team doing that. Oh, it sounds like a Super Bowl in their future. Yeah, canceled mandatory mini camp. OTAs were good enough. If you were a fan of a team that did that, what what is that in talking to you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's promising. I'm old school though in the sense that, uh, like, when you bring in a new quarterback, I want him around the guys as much as possible before the season to get on the same page. And I know some people dispute that, like, oh, that's overrated. It doesn't like look what Tom Brady did during a pandemic with a new team, yada yada yada. But I've always liked the idea of, uh, and I'm sure Roger would still work out with the receivers and the players, regardless in the offseason or spend time. I would hope. But um, but I, when I bring in a new quarterback, and especially when you have as much riding on Rogers, I would want those guys like together on the field, just going through simple things as much as possible, just to get as familiar with one another as they possibly can for, for the upcoming season. That's, I mean, and the claim the Jets make is they got all that done in the OTAs. <laughs> but it is it, it is interesting. And then Mr. Rogers goes off and talks about uh, hallucinogenics again or whatever, Psych- <laughs> uh, psychedelics, whatever that is. Like, it just, I don't know. It, it, it intrigues me. I think if, if the Jets start trading camp with lackluster uh, performance, we may know. Um, maybe, you know, slow start with no mini camp, or it's a nice little break from all the hubbub. And, and maybe that's what they wanted. Maybe that's what, as a team, they decided was best. That's the other part of this, too. We don't know if that's what they decided was best for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how things play out. You know, it, I, I, when I look at the Jets, obviously Rodgers is, the, that's one of the biggest storylines or most interesting things to watch heading into the season. But, like, just in regards of circling back, I guess, to hard knocks, like, I don't think Robert Sala is all that interesting either. Nope, I um, want no part of it. 
And Rogers, I think, is the type of guy that it's an interesting storyline, but if you watch him on a hard knock, I think most people get annoyed by his antics like they already are through the McAfee interviews and everything else his press conferences. So, um, But I guess that also brings back to the, the, the topic on hand of maybe it's an interesting choice here from the Jets, and it's not like it's Bill Belichick who's been around the block making this decision. You know, Sal, I think, still is an unproven coach, so... Yeah, we'll, we'll see if it, we'll see if it works out. That's my that's that's further my point. Um, yeah, it's a really it's really intriguing times, really intriguing times to be a Jets fan. Always is. Yes, around that team. Um, and uh, and I also think that this league is in a really interesting spot because you do have this transition as you talked about. Between, you know, as these guys exit the league, you, you were talking about it more in, in media, but you have these guys exiting and these other guys entering. And these guys entering, you know, the, the quarterback star power, in, is, especially in the AFC with Mahomes and uh, Tua and uh, um, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Tannehill, yeah. uh, help me here. I'm... I'm you know, R- 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 Russell Wilson. Um, yeah. That entire A- uh, AFC West, I've just blanked and embarrassed myself in front of all competent football fans. I apologize, Josh Allen. Um, yeah. It's, there is a transition and how coaches take these transitions and do these transitions for a genuine Zers and millennials who learn different ways, right? Than some other things, and you've seen, um, you know, coaches that are older come in and have a different philosophy than coaches that are younger. The Cliff Kingsburys, the Sean McVay's of the world, um, and it just changes everything. It's it's a real interesting um, snapshot to look at. So, anyway, you know, I don't think the NFL in this current time is ever going to struggle, but they are in a, a great spot, as you said, just from the young quarterbacks. And we always, we have that recency bias that we always think um, things are better. When it comes to sports, things yeah. are better now than before. You talk about, oh, that's the greatest performance. Or that's the greatest shot I've ever seen just because it's the most recent one. Um, but I don't know. I, you have to... Hello? Hello, Luke? I believe we've lost connection with Mr. Morrow. So hold with us here on teeing up. We're going to look to reestablish connections with Mr. Morrow. Um, hold on one second, folks. So glad you're with us here on teeing it up. Kind of look through the season. Hopes if you dial the number correctly. Hello, Hello, sir. Hello, Luke. Can you hear me? Yeah. You just dropped Hi. out. You're saying, you know, recency bias, the NFL has it so great, and then you dropped. Mm. <laughs> so tell the listeners, you were, it must have been so good that you pressed the uh, hang up button or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's that. Um, but, anyways, yeah, no, just. <laughs> 
So to summarize, the NFL is in a really good spot uh, with all the young group of quarterbacks. And uh, maybe there was a time in recent history where it was similar, but it just feels like right now this young core, and you bring in Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud this year, even Anthony Richardson for the Colts. Um, yeah, the NFL is just in a, in a good spot where you lose Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and yet have this young group of quarterbacks sit out there you for really hopefully the next 15 years. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's going to be very interesting to see how um, this goes from here on up. And we're, what, just a couple weeks away, it feels like, from the Sunday sprint. (laughs) Although it's probably more like two months. Yeah, but it'll come quick. I was just thinking the other day, you know, when's the Hall of Fame game? That's usually like the first week of August. Yeah, the Jets are in there. Weeks away from preseason football starting. And yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Now, my PSA, I always say, people always try to, hurry up time and oh, I can't wait yeah. for football season no but you got to enjoy summer first right life's short enough we always try to zoom ahead to the next big sporting event or sporting thing let's enjoy summer first football be here before you know it and then you know it'll be a great football season in the fall of course but in the meantime enjoy summer enjoy the the lack of football for the time being and uh, it'll be here before you know it just just remember the Jets are in that Hall of Fame game are they yes Oh, wow. So there you go. Your season starts even sooner, in about probably five weeks. Yeah. Um, something like that. And and the thing is, and, and this is what I, I... Look, Rodgers probably won't play in that game, but, but just the talk, the gossip, right? And I partly wonder if that's also why the Jets canceled minicamp because all of their stuff's going to be moved up. That oh, that's true. So, anyway. What? Luke Morrow, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show and enjoy talking sports in the heat of summer on this 4th of July weekend. Happy 4th of July weekend to you, sir. Thank you. And I it's always you. a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Happy uh, 4th of July to you as well. Yep, and thank you all out there for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. We will see you next time.